Uh, thank you for all of your questions. Uh, we have, I, I received, I think, 20, like 18, 20 questions. Um, I will try my best to cover not all of them, but a lot of them. And uh, we'll see how far we go. And uh, ev even though we have a lot of questions, don't feel bad if you really have to uh, you know, say a, a follow-up question or, or if I'm not making sense, if, not, if I'm not clear. Uh, just raise your hand, and, and you can interrupt, and we'll go from there, okay? So we'll start with the, e the easier ones, okay, the easier ones. Here's the first question. How can I love my friend if he has funny habits? Okay, anyone can relate to that? Any husbands who can relate to that? No. Um, how can I love someone like a friend if he has funny habits. Well, if the habits are funny, then you just laugh. You just laugh, have fun. That's part of having a friendship. Okay, he's different, you're different, she has funny habits, you have funny habits yourself. And if they're habitual and they're funny, you just, you just laugh and, and it's a memory of that friendship and you move on. You can, you can still love that friend who has funny habits. Okay? I think it's better to have a friend who has funny habits than a friend who's just, just boring. You know, just like monotone, nothing funny. Um, so you can still love a friend who has funny habits. You can still apply 1 Corinthians 13 to someone who has funny habits. Okay? Any, any uh, follow-up ab about that? Okay. Yeah, we all we're all in relationships with funny, uh, you know, funny people. People who do fun, who have funny habits. You know, I asked my wife as I was getting for church this morning, "Do you have any funny habits?" And she said, "Oh yeah, a lot." And I said, "Give me one." And she said, "You like to uh, redo the dishes before you start the dishwasher," and that's a habit. That's a habit. Every every other day, I do that, and she thinks it's funny, you know, because I, it has to be like organized. Um, I think about how the, the thing spins, how it hits the water. Okay, so the, the plates have to be angled. This way. It makes sense, right? But for her, it's funny. But you know what? She still loves me. And we move on, right? And then, and then when we're older, we're going to be in re a retirement place, and she's going to talk about my funny habits, and we'll just laugh, and we'll say, man, what a great memory. Right? That's, that's a relationship. Okay? Um, you know, a lot of ladies today do the, do the front tuck. That's a fun, funny habit. That doesn't bother me. Um, the front tuck, the shirt's front tuck, half tuck, half front tuck. Yeah. And to me, that's a funny habit, and I can still love people who do that, you know. So, all right. Next question. How do you love someone who irritates you for fun? So now we're, we're going up a notch. Okay. How do you love someone who irritates you for fun? Well, whether, whether a friend is irritating you, okay, whether, whether that friend is irritating you uh, purposefully, intentionally or not, you still what? Love that friend. You still apply 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? You still love that friend. If, if, um, if he's irritating if he's irritating you intentionally or not, you still, you still love that person. But do you have the option to talk to that friend? You do. You do have the option to talk to an irritating friend. 
okay? You can, you can talk to that person and um, kindly ask if they can do the thing that they're doing that's irritating you less, a lot less, or if they can stop doing it. You can talk to your friend. Again, you're in a relationship. If they're doing things that irritate you, that means you spend enough time together, which I would assume that you are you know, somewhat good friends, close friends, so you, you, you should be able to talk about these things. Um, so you have the option of talking. But you don't have to if you don't want to. You just, you just continue to love that person, and if you're noticing that, that it's becoming intentional, you know, and it's for fun, then definitely talk. Kindly talk. Third question, how do you love someone who always tells you what to do? How do you love someone who always tells you what to do? Well, if you're, repairing, if you're referring to your parents, you submit to their authority and you do what they tell you to do. Okay, let me just make that clear. Uh, I would assume that in your, in your life, it would be the parents who are always telling you what to do. You submit to authority, you, you obey, you honor them, and you do what they tell you to do. Now, if you're referring to a peer, okay, like a sibling or a friend, how do you love that person who keeps telling you to do something? Well, remember, the Bible, Philippians 2, says that we are to show our love in this way. We are to refer the other person more important than ourselves. So if they want to do this today... What would love do? Refer them. Prefer them. Right? Defer to them. Sure, we can do that. If your sibling says, okay, today, mom and dad, I, I, want, I want you to take us to this place for lunch. You prefer that sibling. Okay, that's what love would do. We, would, we will go to that place today. Okay? Now, do you have the option to talk to that person? You do. You do. You do have the option also to talk to that friend, and, um, and you just ask, you know, you just ask, hey, how about, you know, some of the times, what if we do the things that, that I want to do? And, um, and I, th- I think that's, that should work. You know, you're, again, you're in a friendship relationship. It's, it's, uh, it's mutual. Um, but if they keep telling you what to do, and you believe that it serves them, and you believe that it's an opportunity for you to die to self so that you can prefer that other person more important than yourself, then keep doing that. Keep doing that. Now, if they're telling you to sin, then yeah, you say no. But if they're telling you other things, sure. You know? And if you feel like, well, I think, I think we should do what I want to do sometimes. Okay, then talk and ask. So it's give and take. Yes, go ahead. They just, they're just telling you something that they want you to do? Give, give, me, give me an example. Pretend that uh, you uh, didn't turn in this question and just come up with uh, an, an example. Okay, just like kind of random. You're doing something, your friend likes to interrupt you and say, hey, don't do that, stop that, I want you to do this. I see, okay. Then yeah, I would definitely talk to that friend. Hey, it seems like, it seems like um, 
uh, every time I'm doing something or whatever the case may be, you, you, uh, you ask me to do something else. Um, if those things that you're asking me to do, if those things are important to you and if, it, if they serve you well, I, I'd, I'd be glad to do them for you. But can you, can you pick a better time to ask me? That's how I would do it. Um, and if it's just random stuff, that's, that's what friends do, right? That's what makes friendship fun. Look, we, it's just random um, childish things. But, we, you, but friends will grow out of that. Um, all right. Would it be wrong for a student to correct another student if they're being a distraction? What would be your answer? You have the option to do that, right? If so, how can we do that? It's not wrong. Okay, it's not wrong to correct a person who is being a distraction, okay? Because I assume, well, maybe this is in a, um, a school context or a church context. We come here, right, for a purpose. We come here to, to listen and to learn, right, to encourage one another, to serve one another and grow together. Um, in a school context, it's the same thing, right? Um, so if there, is, if there is a person who is a distraction, yeah, you can, you can definitely talk. You always have the option to talk, okay? As long as you have two things, as long as your, your motive is right and your attitude is of humility, then you can talk. If your motive is right and if your attitude is, is humble, then you can talk to that friend who is being a, a distraction. And um, here's how I would do it. And, I, and I've done that here. You know, I've done that here. It's been done to me before. Um, you, can try, you can try what I call the Oreo compliment. You guys heard that before, right? Um, the Oreo compliment, you say something that's encouraging, then you give them the, the confrontation that they need to hear right? And then you affirm the friendship, the relationship. So you can definitely talk to that friend. You can say, hey, I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that we get to sit together. I'm so glad that we get to learn together. But can I just share something with you that's been a struggle for me? Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, this thing that you're doing or this thing that you're saying or whatever it may be, um, it's, uh, it's been distracting me from something important like listening or paying attention or whatever. Um, you know, I love sitting next to you. I love that we get to learn together. I miss you when you're not here. Um, I don't want to, you know, leave and sit somewhere else. But can you please stop doing that? Can you please do it less? I'm sure, I'm sure that friend would be okay with that. Does that, does that make sense? You, you can definitely talk, right? If someone is a, dis, a, a distraction, you definitely can talk to that friend. Now, if they don't listen to you, then tell the leader. Okay, tell Mr. Garrison. He'll put that person in, it, in place. Right? If, if the person keeps... If the person says, ah, whatever, you know, whatever, and he keeps becoming a, uh, being a distraction, then, yeah, tell a leader. But you've done what you could, right? You had the right attitude, the, the right motive, and you, have the, you, you, have the, you had the humble attitude, humble heart, and you did what you could, 
you said it in a way that's not offensive but clear, right? And you and you did make your request. Can you please stop doing it? Um, and they didn't listen to you. Then you just tell your leaders. Any follow up? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do it in the spot, right? Because then you would, like you're saying, cause to be a distraction to others. You do it after. Yeah, or you call them. Get their phone number and call them. Um, so, yeah, definitely not in public. And you don't tell your friends that, hey, just so you know, you know, the reason why he stopped doing that is because I corrected him. You're welcome. You don't do that, right? So, all right, what, what do you do if a friend invites themselves over a lot, but you don't want them to come over? <laughs> Again, your motive has to be right, and your attitude has to be humble. If you have that, you can definitely talk to this friend. Okay? Now, this question says, but you don't want them to come over. Well, if you don't want them to come over because you're selfish and because you play favorites, you want other friends to come over instead, and those friends are not available because they do a lot, you know, a lot of things over the weekend, but this friend who's not your favorite, you're, it's, he's your least favorite, he's always the one who's available, and he always comes over. If you're selfish and if you play favorites, then you are def definitely in sin. Okay? Again, the motive has to be right, okay? And the attitude has to be of humility. Well, let's say, let's say you don't want them to come over for a right reason and your, and your attitude is, is humble. Then, yeah, you can definitely talk to this friend. Uh, it, remi it reminded me of Proverbs 25. Go to, go to Proverbs 25. I had to, uh, I had to think through this proverb a while back when I was single, and um, me and my buddies would just spend so much time together. So Proverbs 25, verse 17. You can maybe, it depends on the relationship, okay? If you guys are close, okay, and you, and you like to uh, share truths that are really clear, and, and that, can be, that can be sometimes corrective, then, then share this. Proverbs 25, verse 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, or he will become weary of you and hate you. What's the point? The point is moderation. Okay, the verse before that had to do with honey, right? Don't eat too much honey, because if you do, you'll, have, you'll get a stomachache. What's the point? The point is moderation. We do everything in moderation including how much time we spend with our friends. That has to be in moderation. The amount of time you play video games, the amount of time you sleep, the amount of time you eat, the amount of time you go to the mall, everything has to be in moderation, including the amount of time you spend with your friends because if it's in excess, then that friend will eventually get weary of you and maybe, maybe uh, even end up not liking you anymore because you're just over all the time, Right? So how do, you, how do you have that conversation? 
you try the Oreo approach, right? Hey, I'm so glad that we're friends. I have a lot of fun every time you come over. I actually look forward to that, you know, when, when you come over. Um, but I think it's starting to pull me away from time with my family, time away from my responsibilities, and I don't want that to happen to you. I think you need to be home more with your family, doing your responsibilities. So we need to do this thing in moderation. So let's do this every other week. You can, you can say that. You can do that. But if your motive is wrong, okay, I, don't, I just don't want this person to come over. But he keeps inviting himself over a lot. If your motive is wrong because you're selfish and you play favorites, then that's between you and the Lord. You've got to repent of that. That the Lord might be using that friend to reveal that you're selfish and that you play favorites. So, questions about, about that? Yeah. So, say if you were like playing favorites and then you had to go and take place with the redeeming child, would y'all have to go to that friend that you're playing favorites with? Yeah. Good question. If you are playing favorites, do you have to go to God? Yeah, you definitely do have to go to God. And if you and that friend who keeps coming over, uh, if you guys are you know, somewhat close, then you definitely need to, go, need to go to that friend and say, hey, if you have noticed that my attitude's been wrong, you know, you, when you come over, I kind of complain. When you come over, I kind of make up excuses. And when you're over, I kind of do my own thing here and don't you know, spend time with you. It's because I've been struggling with favoritism. So can you just please pray for me and, and uh, forgive me if that's caused some rift in this friendship? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely do that. But, again, you know, we got to do things in moderation. So can you come over every other week instead of every other day or every other hour? <laughs> okay. Good, good question, Nadella. Um, what do you do? If a closer friend always talks about themselves, <laughs> what do you do if a closer friend always talks about themselves? Personally, for me, I'd let that person keep talking about himself. It's good for us students, okay? It's, well, before I say this, I don't know the motive of that friend, right? I don't know why they keep talking too much. I don't know why they keep talking about themselves all the time. I can't, I can't presume on the motive, but I trust that the Lord will reveal the motive of that person's uh, heart. But for now, personally, I'm okay. Just let, it, let them keep talking about themselves. Why? It's good for us students when we are in conversations okay, with people, especially with our friends, and we don't get to talk a lot. And, and we don't get to voice our opinions. And when we are not the center of the attention of the conversation, that's good for us. That's good for us. You need to be okay. I need to be okay when, when in a group conversation, I don't, I don't get to say something about what I know or what I did, but that person kept, uh, keep do, keeps doing it. It's good for me to not... In, you know, put my input and my two cents and my opinion on things, but that person keeps doing it, and it's good for me to walk away from the conversation, and it ends, and, and, and people are saying, man, what a great whatever this guy is, and I, I wasn't the center of the attention. That's good for me. 
That's good for you. That's good for all of us. So I personally am okay to just let those people just talk, talk, talk it up. Um, the Lord will reveal the motive of that person in his time. So what do I do? I become an example. I want to be an example to that person. Okay? If you're asking, okay, how, how would you do that? Well, two Proverbs come to mind. Uh, you're already in Proverbs, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, okay, this is, this is what you model, students, to the, to the people who talk too much, the people, the people who always talk about themselves. Proverbs 17, verse 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. 28, even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. What does that mean? That means controlled speech promotes wisdom. And that's what you want to model to this person who talks too much. You don't compete. You don't compete. No, you model what they should be doing. It's controlled speech because it promotes wisdom. Here's another Proverbs that talks about controlled speech. Proverbs 20, verse 23. 20, 23. No, that's wrong. That's not the right one. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards himself from trouble. Where is that? 2023, 2123? 2123. 2123. 2123. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Same, same essence from the Proverbs uh, earlier. It's controlled speech. So Proverbs 17, 27, controlled speech promotes wisdom. Proverbs 21, 23, controlled speech pre um, prevents you from trouble. And that's what you're trying to model to this friend who talks too much, who talks about himself all the time. You just keep modeling that. You keep modeling that every time with your friends. You model that every time you're in conversation. You model that. And hopefully your, your friend will catch on and see your ex example and hopefully do the same thing and follow. Okay? But, yeah, people who talk too much, for me, just let them. Let them. I think the Lord will, will reveal the motives of the heart in his own time. It's good for me to be around people who talk too much because my tendency is to want to compete. No, I know something about that. No, I actually did that first. Actually, I'm the center of the attention. That's what the heart wants to do. That's what the flesh wants to do. Uh, if you're in that situation, it's good for you to just listen. Listen, you know. It is, it is good to, wake, to walk away from a conversation and, and, and say, man, I could have said so many things. I could, have I could have given my opinion, you know. I actually do that better than that person. I actually have a lot, a lot more than that, than that than what that person has. But, man, I, I'm glad that I was able to control my strong desires to want to dominate and compete. That's good. That's good to walk away having that thought in your mind because that's, that's self-control. It's good to know something. It's good to have something. And no one knows about it. 
you know, like the the game that we play, uh, two lies and a truth, two, two truth and a lie, right? When leaders share things, and I'm like, man, I never knew that that person did that. That's good. You don't always have to tell people that you did this or that you know this, right? That's good for us. All right, number seven. What are some tips you have for evenly spreading your time between your friends? The person who keeps inviting themselves that you don't want? No, just kidding. <laughs> how, how do you do this? Some tips of evenly spreading your time between your friends. Well, your time, your time, will, uh, your time, your time with your friends will never be even. Okay, you just got to know that. They will never be even. Why? Because it's God who gives you friends who are different, and, it, and God gives you your friends in different times of your life. And they're all different. They're all different. Their times are all different. Their schedules are all different. How they serve you and how they encourage you, they're all different. And they come into your life in different times, in different seasons of your life. So to, so to even it all out, I don't think is helpful. That's not, the goal is not, okay, one hour for you, one hour for you, every other, you know, just like schedule your friends and think that you have good friendships. That, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. Um, here's my advice, though, okay? Number one, you need to spend most of your time with your family. All right? I know you're not asking about family time here, but that's how you think through your time with your friends. You start with your family, and you need to spend most of your time with your family. Listen, students, your friends are not your family, okay? They're not your family, even your girlfriend or boyfriend, that's not your family, okay? You don't know if they will always be here. Again, God puts friends in your life in different seasons with different strengths and encouragement that they bring to you so that they can serve you in different times, okay? I've had many, many great friends, and a lot of them, they're not, we're not connected anymore. But I have new friends here, Right? But they're not my family. So your friends will not always be there, but your family will always be there. So your family is your first priority when it comes to your time. Okay, it, it saddens me when I talk to parents and the parents say, oh, oh, they're busier than me. Our kids are busier than me. You know, we want to do something, but they're too busy. Uh, we scheduled this thing, but now they can't come because they're doing this. It can't be like that. It can't be like that. So that's number one advice. Spend most of your time with your family. Number two is spend a lot of your time with friends. Not most of it, but a lot of it. But friends who will challenge your faith, friends who will encourage your faith, and friends who will help you grow in your faith. Those friends, okay? Those friends you spend a lot of your time with. Okay? And if you don't have friends like that, you need to find them. Okay? And they're here in this room. You, need to find, you just need to find friends who will challenge you, encourage you, and help you grow. Here's my third advice. Spend some, some of your friends, I mean some of your time, with friends who, uh, who might be new to the church, um, friends who may not be good at making friends. Okay? Friends who may be different than you, 
friends who um, may not initiate relationships, right? Those friends, those people, you, you spend some of your time with them too. You include them in. I think if you do all that, you know, a lot, most of your time with your family, a lot of your time with friends who will, will challenge you and encourage you and, and help you grow, and some of your time with new friends, friends who, who are not like you. You do all that, I mean, that's plenty. That's plenty. When you do all that, you're going to be like, man, I don't have time for video games. Awesome. Man, this is great. You know, I, don't, I actually have to sleep less. This is great. I get to serve in these three relational dynamics, right? So that's, that's how I would kind of spread. It, again, it's not going to be even, okay? But that's kind of how I think about time. Even for me now, you know, with, with family, um, I have great friends. You know, Pastor Scott, Pastor Zach, you know, Tyler. Um, we, we have lots of time together, um, but they're not number one. So, but then there are other friends who I need to go to, you know, that naturally I probably wouldn't go to, but I need to spend some time with them too. And my, my wife helps me with that. You know, she'll say, hey, how about, how about this family over for dinner? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's good for me, you know, because I always invite, you know, this family and that family. So thoughts, questions about that? Yes. So this is your last one. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know that you said, like, that serving is important. So, like, how do you, how would you um, spend time with, like, friends from school and also friends from church and talk about friends who are friends that you don't necessarily know? Oh, if they're je- so her question is how about friends from school and friends from church and, you know, people getting jealous. Um, that's between them and the Lord. Okay, they have to deal with that in their own heart why they're jealous. But here's what you can do to help. Doesn't mean that you can't help. Okay, here's what you can do to help. You combine them. Yeah, combine them. Tell your tell your mom, hey mom, you know you love to cook, you love to entertain, right? How about I I invite you know this friend from school, and then you know this friend from church, and we'll just have a great time together. You can do that. Combine them. Especially if, you, if some of your friends are not Christians. If you have friends who are Christians, that's kind of how I think. I know it's like, okay, school friends and church friends. Well, I think the better categories are unbelieving friends and believing friends. And guess what? You'll have friends in, ch- in the church who are also unbelieving. Okay, so, so friends who are unbelievers, friends who are believers, combine them. Make your home. I know, I know it's your parents' house, but I'm sure they'd be fine with this. Make your home um, for the purpose of hospitality, okay, to show your love for both unbelievers and believers. If they're getting jealous, just, that's between them and the Lord, but the, a way to help that is you combine them together and just have fun together. That's good for you too because now you, have, you actually have to serve two people. So, good, good question. Any other questions about that? Time with friends? All right. Again, who's priority number one most of your time? Family. Family. 
All right. When, when you guys grow up, you know, and you start your own family, um, then you'll understand. You know, you spend so much time caring for your kids, and then as soon as they get freedom and privileges, they're gone. And then you're like, I'm, I feel so lonely. You know, because by then you've spent so, so much time caring for your kids that you, you don't have a lot of friends. So when your kids don't want to spend time with you, you're like, where are my friends? You know, um, my kids were my friends, but they're gone. So you, you'll understand. So your, your parents probably don't tell you that, that when you are too busy for them, that it, you know, that they're saddened by that. They probably don't tell you that, but I'm telling you that that's probably what they're thinking about. So I get it. You know, they want you to spread your wings. They want you to spend time with your friends. They want you to get a job. They want you to mature. They want you to be responsible. I get all that. But again, in moderation, family first. Number eight. So my friend, okay, let me, this, this was a little long. So my friend has been ignoring me and another friend. We confronted her about it, but she won't listen to us. She thinks she doesn't deserve our love. She stays away because she thinks it will prevent her from hurting us. But by doing so, she feels guilty and continues to still hurt us. Basically, she's distancing herself from everyone and does not listen to any advice. It sounds like a Disney movie. Here's what I would do, okay? You guys, you guys remember the verse from Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night? First Thessalonians 5:14, right? It's how, we, um, it's how we relate to different kinds of people, right? Admonish who? The unruly. Okay? Help the weak. Encourage the faint-hearted. Be patient with everyone. So this friend, this friend might be in the unruly category because this friend is hurting people. This, this friend is not listening to advice. Um, it sounds like an unruly friend. So what do you do? Admonish, right? Admonish this person. So how do you do that? You talk to this friend about what's going on, and you just ask, did I, did I do anything wrong? Did, did, did I and this friend do anything wrong to you? Did we do anything wrong? Please let us know, because if we did, we need to confess that, and we need to seek your forgiveness and hopefully restore our friendship, right? If that doesn't work, if nothing happens, take your friend uh, that friend who's, who's um, unruly, take your friend and read Proverbs 18.1 to that friend. Proverbs 18.1. Okay, this is a great Proverbs for, for relationships, especially when things get like sideways and, you know, friends split, right? And people are hurt and you have an unruly friend in the picture. I like Proverbs 18.1. He who separates himself seeks his own what? Desire. Desire. There's something that he wants so bad, and, that, and it might be sinful, 
that he doesn't want his other friends to know about, but he really wants it, he really desires it, he really wants to pursue it, so he pushes his friends away. And what else does he do? He quarrels against what? What does it say? All sound wisdom, sound counsel, good, biblical, healthy advice. So I would just bring that up to that friend and say, hey, we, we've been friends for a long time. You know, we, it hasn't been right for a while. You know, we do this, you do this. And we've asked you if we've done anything wrong. You keep saying no. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been watching you and I've been reading Proverbs 18.1. It, it sounds like that's what you're doing. Prove me wrong. Is there anything that you're desiring and pursuing that you really want and you know it's bad, therefore you're pushing friends away because you don't want them to hinder you from that? And every time we give, give good advice, you don't want to hear it because it's, it's, you know, again, it's a deterrent from the thing that you really want. And you kind of mask it with, well, I just don't want to hurt you guys, right? Um, is this what you're doing? Is this what you're doing? If nothing happens... After that, then tell a leader. Get a leader involved. Tell Miss Julie. Miss Julie will get involved. And say, hey, we have this friendship drama here. I think we've done everything that we can, but they still won't listen. They're still unruly. But we don't want to lose the friendship. We want to restore the friendship because that's what God would want us to do. And we're in the same ministry together. So, Miss Julie, can you help us? So, questions, comments? Yeah. Uh, tell your parents. And hopefully your parents can, if they want to, they don't have to, uh, can talk to your friend's parents. Even with the leader, then the leader needs to talk to the parents. Yeah. And I'm sure those parents will be humble enough and say, That's not good. We need to address this. I want I want our daughter, our son to have good, godly friends, and he's pushing them away. This is not good. I'm sure that would be the response. If the, if the parents get offended, you're always picking on our kids. You know, that's between them and the Lord. They got to they gotta own up to that and humble, them, humble themselves and, and come face to face with their pride. So parents should not be surprised. Parents should never be surprised when their kids sin. So no matter how good the parents are. All right. Again, first says five fourteen. If this friend is unruly, I gotta admonish with patience. If this friend is weak, I gotta help with patience. If this friend is discouraged, faint hearted, I gotta encourage with patience. And in those dicey relationships, uh, Proverbs eighteen one is good. And just ask your friend, hey, it, it looks like this is what you're doing. Is this what you're doing? Prove me wrong because I don't want you to be doing this. 
I don't want you to be pursuing something on your own and end up quarreling against all sound wisdom. Number nine, how does it feel, how does it feel waking up every day knowing you have an effect on other people's lives through counseling and preaching? Good question. I don't know who asked this question. That's a good question. I've been a pastor for uh, eight, yeah, eight years, not, not a long time. And in the beginning, I definitely, I definitely felt nervous a lot, whether it's one-on-one counseling in my office or preaching to a big group, either here or in main service. I would always get nervous. You know, I, I would always think about, um, am I, am I going to stutter? Am I going to say something that's not right? You know, what if, I'm, what if I'm counseling someone and they ask me something that I don't know about? Um, what if the couple I'm counseling start arguing in front of me? You know, what, what would I do? How would I a- handle that? If I'm preaching to the students, will they, will they like me? Um, will they listen to me? Right, main service. Will they compare me to other preachers? So all those things, I would would get me all nervous back then. But I think it, I think it was because I was so focused on who myself. So I've learned over the years, uh, and I'm still learning this. But it's good for me to keep learning this. I've learned over the years that I need to take off the focus off myself and to just focus on what I'm giving people, whether it's one-on-one in the office, counseling session, or preaching to a big group like this. I just need to focus on this. I need to give these people this. I need to give this couple this. I need to give these students this. However it comes out, right, um, whatever you guys think, I need to entrust those results to the Lord because He's the one who changes people's lives He's the one who convinces people, convicts people, and grows people. He's the one who does that. So I just need to focus on this. I I just got to get this to them in my counseling office, in student ministry, in main service, in a way that's accurate and clear and and exhortational. If I do that, the, the focus is off of me, and the Lord will just have to do whatever he wants to do with it. You know what I... You know, the question is good. How does it feel like waking up every day uh, knowing that you do this? You have, you have an effect on other people's lives. Um, again, the effect is on the Lord, right? He does the effect. Uh, I don't, right? I'm just a, uh, a servant, an instrument. But he does the effect. But you know what I think more of now every time I wake up or every time I go to sleep or every time I come home? Is that everything that I give to people in the counseling office one-on-one, and in the preaching event, you know, me to the big group, that I have to go home and practice all of that. That's the life of a pastor. Everything that I give from this to people, I have to go home and apply it. I have to go home and practice it. That's what I think about a lot. It'd be like you, you know, the things that you're learning, you actually have to go home and practice those things. Uh, it's the same. It's the same for me, same for us. Questions? Comments? Sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like a pastor. <laughs> but it's just my feelings. We don't trust feelings. Number 10, how to tell if something is an idol? 
how to tell if something's an idol. Uh, an idol is something that you love more than God. Okay, uh, uh, just a basic definition of an idol. Something that you worship, something that you love more than God. Uh, how do you know if something's an idol? Well, if you're, you know, sinning to get it, sinning to keep it, and you sin when it's taken away, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, if that is your response, though, that's, that's definitely an idol. You know, you really want this thing. It could be a good thing, right? But you're sinning to get it. You're manipulating your parents, right? And, and you're sinning to keep it. Yeah, I did my homework. Yeah, I did my homework. But you really want to do this thing, right? And you, and you sin when it's taken away. Your God moves, right? He knows that it's an idol. God moves through your parents. Your parents find out. They take it away, and you sin in your response. That's definitely an idol. Even if it was a good thing, you use it for a bad thing. Um, he, here's another way you can tell. If you're giving it too much of your thoughts, too much of your time, too much of your attention, and too much of your resources, and it starts to pull you away from God's word, from God's people, from your God-given responsibilities, whatever that thing is, it's definitely an idol. Because God does not compete. He doesn't like competition. He'll do everything that he can to expose your, your idol and take it away from you. Right? Jesus said, he, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the other and hate the other. So, any questions about that? Idolatry, idols? And again, you can idolize someone or something. Okay? Someone or something. Your friends can definitely be an idol. Or work or money. Uh, next question, number 11. How do you avoid being hard on yourself morally? Uh, I don't know who asked this. I, I'd, I'd want to get more clarification. Um, but just remember that the Bible does command us Christians... If this person is a non-Christian, it would be a different answer. Um, but remember that the Bible commands Christians to work hard on your what's called sanctification, which is moral, okay? But I like the word sanctification better. Um, the Bible does command us to work hard on that, really hard on that. Um, but we do it in a, what I call, biblical and balanced and realistic way. Okay, how, how, how do you do that? Well, you need to remember a couple things. Number one, your sanctification is progressive, right? It's, it's not a one-time thing, right? It, it, it goes on forever. And, uh, from the day that you're saved till the day that you die, that's your sanctification process. Sanctification is becoming more like Christ or, be, or becoming, becoming more holy, so that's, that's progressive, so you need to remember that. So if you're looking at your life and you're looking at, you know, yesterday, then, yeah, you'll definitely be, you know, unbalanced and be hard on yourself. If you're looking at your life, though, past month, and you're like, wow, you know, a lot of, lot of mess-ups, a lot of failures, but, man, look at all those victories. And I definitely love Christ this month than last month. I definitely love God's Word today than the other day. So you see the progress. Right? So you got to think about that. It's progressive. Number two, your, uh, the Bible has to be your standard. The Bible has to be your standard. Not your parents, okay? Not this, 
you know, person whom you've crafted. Oh, if I can just be like that, right? Not that. That's not the standard. Your friends are not your standard. Your leaders are not your standard. The Bible is your standard, and you follow that. You follow that. So when you fail and you're discouraged, you know it's a right discouragement because the standard is the Bible, not your friend. If you succeed and you actually obeyed a standard from the Bible, then you're encouraged because you're actually becoming more like Christ, not like your friend. Okay? And lastly, the last thing I want to I, I make sure I remember is that, is that um, my motive has to be for God's glory. Not to look better, not to compete with my friends, not so that I can say, yeah, I'm only a teenager, but look at my whole holy living, it's not, it's not for those things. Uh, it's for God's glory. You work hard. You work really hard at pursuing holiness and working in your sanctification because you know that pleases God. Again, if this is an unbeliever, it'd be, a little, it'd be different. I would say if this was an unbeliever, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Why? Because you need to come to a place when you say, I keep trying, I keep working so hard, but it is never good enough. Exactly. Exactly. Then we can talk. Then the gospel has teeth to, to, to it when, you, when you're like that. If you're, if you're still proud, then you're not trying hard enough as an unbeliever. So unbelievers need to, need to fail in their self-pursuit in morality so that they can see Christ. So, questions? Man, okay. Uh, well, we're past halfway, so I'm glad about that. Number 12, la- maybe this is the last one. This is an easy one. Have you seen the Harry Potter movies? If, if so, what is your opinion? Okay. I've never read any of the books. Remember, when I was your age, uh, I didn't like reading. Uh, so I've never read any of the books. Uh, I have seen one of the movies. I think the first one came out in 2001, so I was, I was in school, kind of like your age. And um, I saw it my, with my friends. I think I liked it. The only thing I remember is Nimbus 3000, the things that they rode, right, and the, play that they, the, the game that they played. That's the only thing I remembered. Um, so now if my kids, if my kids... Um, when they get to your age or maybe even younger, uh, if they come to me and they ask me if they can re- read the books or watch the movies, then I would have to do some homework because it's been so long. You know, I don't think about Harry, I, I don't think about Harry Potter uh, monthly, you know. Uh, but if my kids are asking me, then that's my responsibility. I got I to gotta do some research here, and I have to give a biblical, biblically informed answer, whether it's a yes or a no. Okay, but that's my job as a parent. Um, your, your parents, that's, that's their job to guide you when it comes to Harry Potter and Disney and, and all those things. But it has to be a biblically informed answer. So my advice for you, though, guys, is, uh, is to submit to your parents' decision and wisdom. They're going to give an account to how they parented you. I'm not going to give an account to you as a parent. They do. Right? So you got you to gotta submit to your parents' wisdom. If they say yes, you can watch Harry Potter or whatever it may be, Mandalorian, 
whatever the thing, you know, things that are in right now, uh, books that are in right now, if they say, hey, you can watch that, you can read that, um, then you definitely don't go to your friends who are not allowed and assume that they are weak in their faith and think of yourself as, oh, I'm so mature, you know, because I'm allowed to read and watch these things. Oh, you guys are not allowed. Your parents don't allow you. <laughs> so weak. You don't, you don't do that, right? Because their parents are going to give an account to how their, they parented them. Now, if your parents say, no, no, we don't, think, um, we don't think it's a good idea. We don't think it's helpful. And here's our biblically informed answer. You obey your parents. You submit. You don't go to your friends who are allowed to watch and read those things and say, Ah, oh, look at them, they're sinning. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't judge, right? Remember Romans 14, Romans 14, 10. Don't judge your brother. Don't hold your brother or your friend with, it, with contempt. For we will all individually stand before the judgment of God. All right? You will do that. Your parents will do that. So don't judge other people who do other things. And don't think that they're weak because they can't do what, they, what you do. And, the, and don't think that they're sinning because they're doing what you can't do. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, whatever it may be. Um, all right. So, yeah, I've never read the books. Saw one movie, 2001. Some of you weren't born back then. <laughs> Nimbus 3000 is the only thing I remember. But if my kids ask me, then yeah, I probably should do some research. They're asking me about Minecraft right now. I'm like, oh man, you know, they're only 9, 10, 11, and they already want to get into video games. Guess what I have to do? I have to do some homework. I have to give biblically informed answer. And for me to like research that, you know, I've kind of been dragging also, like, Dad, have you thought more about Minecraft? No, I haven't. You know, I I need to do it. So, yeah, if I say you guys are not allowed, you guys can't look at us and say, yeah, well, you know, he's a pastor, that's why. No, it has nothing to do with that. You know, every parent has to stand. Every student has to stand before the judgment seat of of God, and you're going to give an account to everything that you do and every, every decision that you make. So, all right, we're going to have to save the other other ones. Biblical view of abortion um, to save the life of the mother. Uh, What do angels look like? Power, how many types? Guardian angel. Uh, Trans and wokeism question. Uh, How do I deal with a persistent gossip? So, we'll see. Well, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do part two next Sunday or get into Ephesians. All right? But thank you for your questions. I hope that was helpful. Let's uh, close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the students. Thank you for what you are teaching them, what you are doing in their hearts and in their minds. It is a privilege to have questions and have answers from your word and talk about principles, talk about applications, and to just kind of dialogue how, how, this, how this really relates to us 
in our day-to-day -day lives. I pray that you would give the students wisdom. I pray that you would always push them to your word, push them to sound and wise counsel, and that you would help them apply all those, all those things, especially when it's hard, especially when, it, when it's um, testing our faith. That's good for us. And I pray that they would continue to grow, continue to mature, and be an example uh, to others. Bless our time today. We do pray for Justin, Justin Holmes, who's going to be baptized in second service. Give him clarity. Give him uh, just trust in you and that you would use his word, his testimony, the gospel to encourage us and to save uh, young people uh, like his age who are not believers. And may we be thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.